0: Alright, well this morning we're going to continue in a series that we're simply calling Jesus Never Said That. Jesus Never Said That. I believe that too often we are guilty of putting words in Jesus' mouth. Sometimes these words uh, are far from the truth. Other times there's a bit of truth mixed in the mold of what we're trying to say. You see, that is where we find our misquote today i would venture to say that next to john 3 16 which we all know we've quoted this morning for god so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life next to john 3 16 this is probably the most quoted scripture by the non-christian and quite frankly the christian as well the problem is we don't know where it's found and we we throw it into the mix and try to shape it and mold it into every circumstance and situation and the problem is that we run into this misquote that there's a little bit of truth in it and there's a little bit of mistruth in it and it's kind of all meshed together there lies our struggle take a look at our misquote for today Don't ever judge, in fact, tolerate everything. Don't ever judge. We've all heard that, right? Oh, don't judge me. Oh, if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't judge, right? Don't ever judge, in fact, tolerate everything. Misquote number three. Without knowing the facts... We all jump into judgment about people all the time. Truth be told, unfortunately, such judgment is way too often found even in the Christian. For right or for wrong, the church has this bad reputation as a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I don't want to go to that church over there because they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They'll judge you, but I know what they're doing behind the scenes. Well, here's my response to that every time. I would so much rather go to church with the hypocrite than go to hell with them. By the way, that wasn't in my notes, so that was for free. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) <laughs> Man, we're going to use this all day. We're going to milk that thing right there. For right or for wrong, the church has this reputa- reputation as a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. A group of people that that say one thing, yet they do just the opposite. Way too often I've had conversations with people that are hurt from unfair judgment and condemnation that they... So society, in response, society is quick to throw out the phrase that we hear all the time, well, I'm not judging, but, or if you're a good Christian, you wouldn't judge. Is that really what Jesus was trying to get across? Is that really what Jesus was saying to the people in Matthew chapter 7? I don't think that's exactly what he was wanting us to get. See, Matthew 7, 1 does in fact say, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do you see the problem? Jesus did say, don't judge. But did he mean in every circumstance and regarding every action and behavior? See, that's what we must determine today. As we look at this misquote, never judge in fact tolerate everything then we've got to wrap ourselves around the hearts behind why jesus would tell us don't judge and you won't be judged see more than anything else it falls upon one word and the word that i want us to grab a hold of is the word motive motive what is the motive what's the heart what's the reasoning behind the judgment that is being cast the word motive by definition is defined as this something as a need or a desire that causes a person to act something that causes a person to act and it it amazes me what motivates people I heard a story about a young man one day, a teenager, and one of his responsibilities at his house was to mow the yard. Well, it was a Saturday, and he was, he was tired. He had had a busy week, a lot of things going on, and his parents asked him to mow the yard, and he began to moan and, and complain. I'm just tired. I want a day to do nothing. I don't really want to do it today. I want to wait until tomorrow or the first part of the week. I just don't want to mow. Mowing the grass was a problem for him. Well, later that day, he decided to go to a friend of his house, This friend just happened to be a pretty young girl. Lo and behold, guess what she was doing when he got there? She was mowing the grass. And suddenly, motivation welled up inside of this young man. And more than anything else, what he wanted to do in that moment was mow the grass. Soon you find her sitting on the, the swing in the backyard, and here he is, motivated to mow the grass. It amazes me what motivates people. Proper and pure motivation is what we must discover. What is it that's motivating that judgment that is causing us to act and move forward? You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that our goal will be determined by what motivates us. Let me say that again. Our goal will be motivated will be determined by what motivates us. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. That's motivation, right? whether i'm in this body or not my goal is to please god i'm motivated to please god for we must all stand before christ to be judged that's motivation right we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body that that's motivation But there's another word that's connected with this idea of of judgment. I I said it during the misquote, and that word is, is tolerance. We must tolerate everything, at least society would say that. They're pushing that idea over and over. Tolerate any and all behavior, regardless of the reason, regardless of the outcome, and I struggle with this in my mind. And, and I share this with you often because we are so bombarded with this on the outside that I believe that the church must take focus on this. Otherwise, we will find ourselves going down a trail that we were never meant to go down. Don't ever judge. In fact, tolerates everything. That's what society would have us to say. I fear if we're not careful we will simply tolerate our friends right into hell if we are not careful church listen carefully if we're not careful we'll tolerate our friends right into the hell i fear a fear of judgment a fear of intolerance we avoid the moment to show them that there's a better way with christ And therefore, we remain silent as their eternal destination is being mapped out in front of them. Now, I shared this thought a few months ago, and every time I read it, it, it strikes something on me on the inside. Society is trying to tell us that if we're really a good Christian, then we shouldn't judge. We should just love. Learn to tolerate every behavior, every action, every lifestyle. However, the definition of tolerance has changed over the last few years. Let me show it to you once again. Webster's Dictionary 1913 defined tolerance as this, showing respect for the rights or opinions or practices of others. But our modern-day Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines it as this, willing to accept, do we see the shift, We've gone from respecting now to accepting. Willing to accept feelings and habits and behaviors that are different from our own. Able to allow or accept something that is harmful or unpleasant. Now as I understand the Bible, if someone is living a life that is leading them directly to the devil's hell, then if I really love that person, if I really love them fully, and the Bible says we are to love all people, don't fake it, but really love them, then I must do everything that I can to help them change the way they are living. I must take every action possible to move them in a direction that is closer to God. The notes in my fire Bible laid out the truth on judging for us. In Matthew 7, 1, the notes in the footnote said this, Jesus condemns the habit of criticizing others while we ignore our own faults. Wow, see, there's the problem. We can be way too quick to do this And forget that the Bible says that we've got to examine what's happening in our own lives. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We process through the necessity of a true heart change. But Jesus condemns the habit of criticizing others while we ignore our own faults. Believers must first submit to God's righteous examination and to the standards of His Word before attempting to evaluate inf- and influence the conduct of others. The very first thing that we must do is search my heart, O oh God. Know the wicked way in me. Lord, if there's anything inside of me that keeps me from You, Lord, if there's anything in my life that distances me from You, Lord, change me today. See, the first thing that we've got to do is examine here before we examine there. He condemns the habit of criticizing others while we ignore our own faults. Believers must first submit to God's righteous examination. And to this, here's the deal it's so much easier to do this than it is this. First, submit to God's righteous examination and to the standards of His Word. That's what? The Bible? Attempting to... um, Righteous and to the standards of His Word before attempting to evaluate and influence the conduct of others. Now, let me go back to a word that we discussed on the onset, the word motive. Is your motive for judgment simply righteous indignation well i go to church well i attend bethel assembly well if you're real spiritual bethel assembly of god (laughs) and you shouldn't do that a christian would never do that right well see that's where the the religious people were in jesus's day and he called them whitewashed tombs. In other words, they looked really good on the outside. They dressed up real nice for church gatherings. They looked really snazzy on the exterior. But on the inside, they were dead. They were rotten corpses. Is your motive the destruction of the person that you're judging? Well, they, just, they, they treated me wrong, Pastor they weren't really nice to me pastor they they did this and they said that and they went here and they is your motive their destruction well that's certainly not the heart of god the bible says that god's plan for us is hope and a future not destruction what's the motive behind the judgment in your life you see to be effective for the kingdom of God we must look deep on the inside and determine why do i see the need for action why do i see the need to point at the wrong in their lives and then what can i do to help them you see it's not just let me pick you apart but let me walk side by side with you in this journey. Let me, let me show you the very heart of God. For God so loved the world that He was willing to send His Son to die on the cross. See, it's not just pointing out the wrong. It's walking side by side in helping that person create and find that moment, that heart change, that repentful moment with Christ what is it that motivates you is it truly an eternal motivation do you have the motivation that compels you to walk alongside that person to introduce them to the one that saved your heart and your soul and your life forever you see sometimes love takes The form of identifying the the error in effort to help that individual rectify or even establish a relationship with God. So so what I want to do today is I want to take just a few moments and I want to look at three options that are better than judgment. Three options that are better than judgment. Number one is this. Let your judgment take on grace. Let your judgment take on grace. Rather than passing judgment on the world, rather than being that one that, that points that finger, let grace step in. John three sixteen. we read it a moment ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We Many of us can quote that scripture in the room. If I went around the room and I said, I give you a piece of candy like we do in kids' church, I give you a piece of candy, if you can quote John 3, 6, 16, many of you could probably do so. But do you know what John three seventeen says? Let me read it to you. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus took judgment and placed on grace. Jesus so loved the world that he took the moment to give them an opportunity for grace. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Yet, Here is the fact of the matter before spiritual resolution and grace can be applied The issue has to be identified you see there's this weird balance between Pointing the finger in judgments and ooey gooey grace that accepts everything right So so what do we do in order to help that person because if all i'm doing is is giving grace oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, do whatever you want, it's okay. Then I'm not really loving, I'm enabling. Jesus didn't come to judge, but to save. And, and every time we, we see Jesus in that conversation of, of a heart change and a saving moment with that person, what does he say to them? Stop doing what you're doing. There, there's a better way. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's look at this whole thing in context. John 3, 18-21. So we've just read 16, we just read 17, now here's 18. There is no judgment, say no judgment, no judgment, against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people loved the darkness more than the lights, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the lights and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so others can see that they are doing what God once are you grabbing a hold of this today see jesus said we are not to judge with human understanding of judgments but we are called to bring the light into the darkness in efforts that the light might reveal or expose the issue or the behavior that needs change It's time for the church to stop pointing fingers of accusation and begin to shed the light of grace upon a dark and perverse world. Let me say that again. It's time for the church. Now, some of you right now just checked yourself out because you thought, you know what, there's more than just me. No, 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 no. You are the church. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the church. It's time for you, it's time for me, to stop pointing fingers of accusation and begin to shed the light of grace and mercy upon a dark and perverse world. Lead them to the wonderful light of God's saving grace. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon of tolerance. If you know me at all, you know that's not my heart. But I'm jumping on the train of reaching the lost for a radical change with Jesus. We've got to take judgment and apply grace. Revealing and exposing what's hiding in the darkness. Number two: let your judgments become encouragements. Let your judgment become encouragement. First Thessalonians 5:11 says this: "So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already. Doing. By the way, if you're not encouraging and building up, then you're not following God's command because he's saying, I believe and I expect that you're already doing this, so I am encouraging you to encourage and build up. Right. That's good. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. The problem that I have with this verse is we misunderstand the word encouragement. We try to put encouragement and accept every wrong and never correct in the same category. And they are certainly not the same thing. We would much rather find someone like this article that I found in Babylon B. Anybody ever read the satirical articles in Babylon B? Somebody like, I have no idea. What that is. No, they're funny little articles, and this one's about a guy by the name of Ryan McKenzie. Maybe you've read it before. He's looking for someone to keep him spiritually accountable. And would you agree with me that every one of us needs somebody to keep us spiritually accountable? We don't need somebody walking side by side with us and tell us, you know what, everything's okay. No, sometimes we need someone like my grandpa that'll take a 10 and a half boot and kick us upside the hind end, right? So in this article, this satirical article, Ryan McKenzie writes this, I have carefully considered all candidates in my life. And I think that's important. Don't read on, don't read on. It's important that you carefully process through. You don't just want anybody uh, speaking into your life. Because there's some people, first off, they won't really lead you with encouragement. They're just jerks. There's some people that are just kooks, right? So it's important that we carefully consider all candidates. McKenzie wrote on his blog, I thought and prayed deeply over the matter. That's important. We need to do that. Because I recognize I fall short on my own and need someone who won't pull any punches. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short. So we, we all make mistakes. We need somebody that's going to speak the truth so they won't pull punches and who will help me to see my blind spots someone who is godly and mature for my accountability partner therefore the choice is clear myself ryan says i choose ryan I'm going to let Ryan speak into my life. No. No, sometimes we need someone else. Every man and every woman, every boy, every girl, every young adult, every teenager, we all need someone in our lives that will speak the truth, that will encourage and build up. And sometimes, in order to build up, the foundation has to be worked. Around a fire pit, Chandler and I, a few years ago, built a fire pit in our backyard. And right now, there's just kind of grass and dirt and stuff around the fire pit. So one of my goals, eventually, is to to dig out around that. But I was looking at it the other day, and I realized it sits on a slight slope. So in order to do that, I'm going to not only have to level the ground but i'm gonna to have to build a retaining wall in order to establish that process some of our lives we're gonna to have to dig down deep we're gonna to have to build some retaining walls we're gonna to have to do some hard work in order to be built up yeah. right? right every one of us needs someone yeah. we need someone to encourage us we need someone to to lift us up when we're down but we also need someone to correct us when we're wrong and the problem is oftentimes we want the first but not the seconds. We want someone to give us bonbons and bring us chocolate dipped ice cream cones, Andy. But we don't want that person that's going to say, "You know what? You have chocolate all over your face." So we throw out the J word. Stop judging. When actuality, it's not judgment, it's shining light and allowing the light to reveal the cockroach that's been running around. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, but the evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. You may be that friend this morning that needs correction in your life. You may be that friend this morning that needs to give the correction in someone else's life But when you give the correction remember to examine your own motives Think about this. What's the purpose of lights? You see light can be extremely beneficial If you don't believe that let your wife rearrange the furniture in the living room And then around two o'clock in the morning don't turn any lights on and go get a drink of water Your pinky toe will find the foot of the couch every time Light is important light reveals what's happening around you spiritually It reveals What's in the wrong direction it reveals the faults? It reveals the failures it reveals the areas that we need to be corrected but light used in the wrong capacity causes momentary blindness. Now, if I was to be in a dark room, and then a few years ago, I, I did this to a little boy. This is confessional moment. Uh, at kids' camp every year, Angie and I are assistant head dorm leaders. and Inevitably, at kids' camp, there's that group of boys that just don't want to go to sleep at night. Um, they, they keep rustling around and their dorm leader's trying to get them to sleep and it's been a long day and the rest of the boys are getting tired and these guys just don't want to settle down. Well, a couple of years ago, we had one of those situations. We're making our rounds, it's probably midnight or 12.30, something like that, making some rounds, making sure all the rooms are safe and kind of settling down for the night and we have a dorm leader that opens his door quietly, steps out and goes, help. And I went, what's, what's the problem? He goes, I've got some boys that just won't, they're going crazy in there. I don't know what to do with them. So we walked in the room, turned the lights on, and began to talk to them with our big dad voices. All right, boys, it's time to settle down for the night. You know that, you know that voice. We all heard that voice growing up. And So we, we gave this spiel, and I thought, okay, we're good. So we thought, let's be a little sneaky. So we turned the lights out first. Then we opened the door, pretended to go out, and closed the door behind us, and stood in the pitch-dark room about 2.3 seconds later i hear as a boy was jumping off of the top bunk landing both feet on the floor not far from me probably about here to here and and i had this flashlight that i had just gotten for father's day and i thought well i've got to use it and it's about 300 lumens pretty bright so i just turned it on to see what was there And this boy, by that point, was about this far from me. And this bright 300-lumen flashlight was in his eyes, and he went. (laughs) Momentary blindness, but it resolved the issue. The light revealed what happened in the dark. You see, there are times that light can be used beneficially, there are times that it can cause blindness. And I wonder: are our motives pure? Are we offering judgment with grace? Are we allowing our judgment to become encouragements? What's the purpose for the light in your life? Hebrews chapter 12 says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. In the moments, the correction, the discipline, the thing that sometimes we cast up as judgment, but it's really the light revealing the cockroach. In the moment, that's not enjoyable in a moment that hurts moms and dad it's not always easy to correct our child young people it's it's not easy when mom and dad are correcting you we want to say things like well stop judging me you don't understand what it's like to be a teenager in 2019 you're right but we understand what it means to be a Christian we want to help reveal the cockroach that's crawling around in your life friends when someone is shining the light on your life that process is not always enjoyable but the bible says a peaceful harvest awaits it's been quite some time since some of you have had a peaceful harvest Earlier in the chapter it says don't make light of God's discipline. Don't give up. You see this correction is vital. It's necessary in our lives. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul takes a moment and he scolds the church in Corinth because they were tolerating sin. They were allowing the sin to take place and they weren't shining they weren't shining the lights. We are called to sharpen one another. Not only point out the sin, but help our brother and sister come to that place of a light change that brings us to our third option. Number three, let your judgment lead to spiritual change. Let your judgment lead to spiritual change. I don't have time to tell the story today, but maybe you're familiar with the story. John, chapter 8 a woman was caught in the act of adultery by the way it was a trap it was a setup you can read the story yourself john 8 verses 1 through 8 but this woman is caught in the act of adultery and by the law she is to be stoned to death large stones thrown at her until she dies the religious people brought her to jesus and asked What should we do to this lady caught in the act of adultery? Jesus' response was this, he knelt down. He began to write in the dirt. Now there's many different thoughts as to what he wrote. Some believe that Jesus was just doodling. He would just draw little figures. Others say, well, maybe maybe he was writing the names of the accusers and beside their name he was writing their sin. Some say, well, perhaps he was writing out Moses' law. But as he was writing and doodling in the dirt, one by one the accusers left. Then Jesus said something to this lady that changed her forever. You see, he didn't look at her and say, hey, they're all gone now, get out of here quick. Look what he said. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Here's what I want you to get. Go and sin no more. Jesus looks at this lady. He knows everything about her. He knows what she's being accused of. But in that moment, he shines the lights of grace says, all your accusers are gone, but don't keep doing the same junk that you're doing. Don't keep allowing the cockroach to crawl through your life any longer. Don't keep walking around with broccoli in your teeth. Stop doing what you're doing. He offers this lady more than just judgment. He gives her Grace. See, when Jesus takes an interest in your situation and when you allow him to speak into you, he's going to lead you to a better place. See, he loves you too much for you to stay where you are. Remember, he's, he came not to judge but to offer salvation and hope. So today there's There's two sides of this judgment that I believe that God is speaking into individuals. Number one, there are those in this room that feel the weight of judgment and condemnation upon their life. You're here right now and and you feel the world has just been blinding you. God wants to offer you freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He wants to give you a better way today. And number two, there are those in this room that have been guilty of judgment with wrong motives. And today, God wants to redirect you. See, we are to be His representative. And that everything we do, work, play, whatever it is, should be done to the glory of God. In other words, we need to model after Jesus. So, so maybe you're here and, and you've been guilty of just this, but not this. You've been guilty of taking that 300-lumen um, uh, flashlight and just shining it in the light and the eyes and never really helping them find a better way. God says, Would you get the, the broad flashlight? Would you just light up the path? Would you show them how to come to me? Would you introduce them to me? See, I believe that God has a change for every person in this room today. There's some that may be on far extremes, and there's others that might be a little closer to the middle. But wherever you are in this, God's got a plan for you. See, the misquote is, Don't ever judge. Tolerate everything. That's not what Jesus was getting at, folks. It's time for us to take on the very nature of our Savior. To reach out and lead people.